Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at lighthousechurchnc.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the dream team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoyed today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. All right. So I want to go to Hebrews chapter 12. I want to read two verses of scripture. I'm going to pray with you all. Then we'll seat you down and we're going to dig in. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterward. Now he is seated in the place on the highest honor besides God's throne in heaven. For just the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought, off the blocks. Off the blocks. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for all the incredible things that you are doing here at this house. I thank you, God, for every person that has come out here on the last Sunday of the year and to be in your presence today. Father, I pray now that, that you would just speak in this place, that your spirit would move all over this house, that you would do a work, Lord, in every heart. Lord, I, I just pray that this would be a time of, of soaking in your presence, a time where we feel, your, we, we feel your spirit so near to us, and that we walk out of here changed, not the same way that we came in, but impacted by the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Clap your hands one last time, and you may be seated. I want to talk to you on the thought off the blocks. The sport of track and field has a total of 16 events at a standard meet. How many familiar with track and field? Did anyone compete in track and field in the room? All right, so you know what I'm going to be talking about today. Um, th these, these events at the track and field races include not just the foot races, but there are also relays and there are field events. Some of the field events include shot put, discus, and the pole vault, to name a few. But of all of these events, I think that the one event... The events that seem to draw the most interest are the short distance running events. It is in these events where typically the winner of these short distance running events, we crown them as the fastest man or the fastest woman on earth. Most recently, probably one of the most famous sprinters of our time, Usain Bolt, right? With a name like that, you know he was born to be fast. And... Uh, he, he got that name, but he didn't compete in the long-distance events. He competed in the short-distance events. Those are the, the sexy Olympic events, right? When the Summer Olympics rolls around, everybody wants to see the, 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 the sprint. Everyone wants to see who is the fastest man on the planet. I, I feel bad for some of the, like, the, the javelin, you know, the, those are doing shot put. Nobody lines up to see them, but, but those short events, I mean, we are glued to the television. And, and, and if you've seen those events, you'll notice that when they start the race, they're on something called the starting blocks, the starting blocks. And when someone has begun a race, they'll say they have come out of the blocks or they have come 
off the blocks. And now that phrase that started in track and field has become an idiom for someone who has begun to do something. And if someone has gotten a fast start, they'll say they are fast off the blocks. And if you got someone who likes to do things at a more mellow pace, if you like to do things slow, they might say they're a little slow off the blocks. How many of you are slow in the mornings? Where are my, my slow people? Be honest. How many of you are just like, please, don't talk to me? <laughs> my brother here, I'm not going to embarrass you too much, Jacob, but he was slow in the morning. Very slow in the morning. Every, remember growing up, he would put on one sock at a time while watching cartoons. And we'd be like, Jacob, come on, we got to go. And he just had a slow start to the morning. And so when someone is fast to do something, they say they are fast off the blocks. And if someone is slow to do something, they might say they are slow off the blocks. But that term off the blocks is an idiom for something has begun. And, and I was drawn to this phrase and I was drawn to this passage of scripture because Lighthouse Church, we are now off the blocks. Our race has started. We are going. We are no longer in the planting phase of the church, but our race has started, and we are officially off the blocks. And what God has done this year has been nothing short of amazing because in just a few short months, we have seen on average 195 people come to church every single Sunday. Come on, can we give God praise for that? That is our all-up number. It's you that are in the room. It's our children that are in L kids. That is our average weekly attendance. We have seen, I love this number right here, we have seen 116 people make a decision to follow Jesus or restart a relationship with Jesus. Come on, I think we can do a little better than that. 116 people who have said yes to Jesus in 2019. We have celebrated eight baptisms. Come on, let's give it up for everyone who was baptized since we started this church. One of the things that I am just so jazzed about is our partnerships. We've, we, we realize that we, Lighthouse Church, we are a part of the church, but the church is so much larger than us. The church is, is, is all over this world, and, and so we partner with other initiatives and with other organizations, and together as a church, we have partnered with the Association of Related Churches, also called ARC, to which we are an ARC church plant. As I announced today, we have partnered with an organization called Forerunner Mentoring, who mentors young boys without a father. We have partnered with the Alabaster Jar Project that rescues women from sex trafficking. We have partnered with Rhythm Church, and we have sewed into them as they are getting ready to launch a church in the city of Oceanside. How many remember when we gave an offering to Humanity Showers? That is, that is an organization that takes a mobile shower trailer to the homeless community and allows them to take a bath because every person, every person, whether they have much or if they have little, we are all a son or daughter of God. None of that changes whether you live in a big house or you're living on the street and they bring humanity to people who are affected by homelessness and we were able to help them purchase that trailer. And, and even this morning, even this morning, if you follow their Instagram feed, there were homeless people in the city of Fallbrook that got a shower because of your generosity. I think that deserves a hand clap but we didn't stop there we partnered with an organization called reaching the hungry 
And, and, and we started last Christmas and we continued this Christmas with donating toys to take into an orphanage in Tijuana and, and, and to come and give Christmas and make Christmas happen to, to an orphanage in Tijuana. Kids who might not otherwise experience that. We also donated a number of backpacks and we did a cleanup at that orphanage through reaching the hungry. These are partnerships that, that I hold dear to my heart and partnerships that I hope you hold dear to your heart as well because again we are just a part of the big church the capital c church we are lighthouse church but we are part of a bigger church and as incredible as this year has been for us look at your neighbor and tell them we are just getting started Come on, I want you to tell them with some authority. Tell them, we are just getting started. Come on, if we raised $10,000 and gave most of it away in 2019, can you imagine what God will do through our generosity in 2020? Can you imagine what God will do through our generosity in 2025? Can you imagine where we'll be 10 years from now? And I just look ahead to the days that God has for us, and I can't help but wonder, now that we are off the blocks, where do we go from here? But let me talk to you about these blocks for a moment, because I think there's something that we can get as we look at that, as we look at that phrase, off the blocks. What do we learn from the blocks? Well, if you're familiar with track and field, and if you've watched it on television, the first thing that we know about the blocks is that the runners have to assume a lower position. If you've seen it, they, 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 they drop to a knee. It's, it's actually kind of a, a it's, it's very ritualistic when you see the runners drop to one knee and then they get their other knee back there and, and they're kind of doing their things. It's, it's very similar to when LeBron James, how many basketball fans do we have in the room? When he gets that chalk and he throws it up in the air and it's, it's all celebrated, the cameras get it. In the same way the, 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 the runners get set, they, they get on the blocks and in order to get on the blocks, they have to get into a low position they have to get into a decreased position and I believe that we as a church must learn to decrease that 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 we as a church must always have that posture and if you're taking notes that's a good one to write down we must learn to decrease because it was John the Baptist who said John the forerunner of Jesus Jesus's cousin who said I must decrease so that he might increase how many want to see God increase in our city I said how many want to see God increase in the city of San Marcos how many want to see more of Jesus in North County how many want to see more of Jesus in the city of Vista how many of you want to see more of Jesus in the city of Escondido how many of you want to see more of Jesus in the city of Oceanside I know that I do I want to see more of him and the key of seeing more of him is that we must learn to decrease we've got to get to this to this low place we, we we need to get to this place where we don't get caught up thinking too much about ourselves and that's that's actually a little harder to do than you might think it is because we live in a world and we live in a culture we, where we are always putting our best foot forward always and all the brothers who took a lot of pictures of your girlfriend wife significant other or family this christmas season y'all should be nodding your head because it's like how many times did you have to retake that picture oh no my hair retake that picture oh wait let me fix my makeup retake that picture wait a second the kid wasn't smiling retake that picture oh my god that dress how come you didn't tell me because we always want to put our best foot 
forward. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as it doesn't lead to pride. Right? There's nothing wrong with living your best life as long as you can still admit that I don't always have best days. There's nothing wrong with, with, with being your best self as long as it doesn't come at the expense of admitting that I'm not always at my best. And as Pastor Joe said earlier today, the times that you run to God and the times when you are most vulnerable with him is when the times that you can come to him and say, I'm not at my best today. Anybody had a day where you've had to go to God and just say, I've not been at my best today. This, this hasn't been a great day for me. This, this, this hasn't been a day that I've been proud of. I, I, I don't believe I'm the only person in this room that, that's ever gone to God and said, you know, I'm not really happy with myself. I'm not really happy with how I'm doing. I'm not really happy with how I'm feeling right now. I'm not really happy with how my life is going right now. And, and, and I think that that is actually a place of power. You see, it was the reason that Jesus rejected the religious elite, the Pharisees of his day, because they always wanted to act like nothing was wrong. They wanted to always present their best self and, and, and actually act as though they were without sin. And there is nobody on this earth without sin. There is nobody on this earth that has everything all put together. So, so stop scrolling and looking at that influencer or looking at that blogger or looking at that person and thinking they've got it all together. Baby, they are only letting you see what they want you to see. But I wonder what would happen if we had this posture of decrease. I, I wonder what would happen if we got into this posture regularly where we said, God, I must decrease so that you would increase. God, less of me, more of you. God, less of a performance and more of your spirit. God, less of my works and more of your anointing. God, less of me striving and more of me relying on your grace. That's the posture of decrease. But as the runners get into the starting blocks, as the runners decrease, something begins to happen in that posture. As the runners get into the starting blocks, and if you were to look into the science as to why they did that, because I know I did, I thought, why starting blocks? What's the importance of them? And what benefits do the starting blocks offer the runners? And what all the research that I read suggested was that in the place of decrease, the muscles become preloaded to run the fastest race that they can run. Their muscles are preloaded. Their muscles are, are ready to take on the rigorous activity of a sprint. And, and, and I, I really believe that it is in that decreased posture of prayer that we too preload ourselves. I said, I believe that it is in this place. Let's call it the power of prayer. How many know that there is power in prayer? And I believe that when we are in this place regularly, just like it is in this place that a sprinter preloads their muscles, I believe that it is in this 
this posture of prayer that we begin to preload our spirit, man, for everything that God has for us. This is why I tell you, you got to get into a place of prayer every single morning because you don't know what the enemy's going to bring your way that day. And you want to start from a place of power. You want to start from a position of authority. You want to make some time every single morning getting before the presence of God so that when the enemy does attack and when trouble does hit your way and it could be as simple as somebody cutting you off on the freeway you're not going to lose your holy ghost and flip them off and cuss them out and start acting the fool because you've spent time in the place of power you've spent time in the place of prayer it's the place of preloading yourself for what you are getting ready to do this is why we start the year 2020 with prayer and fasting. We are preloading ourselves. We are preloading ourselves for everything that for everything that's going to come our way. And so we begin our, 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 our we begin our year in a posture of power. You see, the posture of power is very um, it's very different in the church. The posture of power is not when we have our head high and our chest puffed out, but the posture of power is when we have fully submitted ourselves to God. We have decreased fully to him, and we have emptied ourselves wholly in front of him, and we tell him, God, I am going low so that you could go high in my life. The posture of power for a Christian is not when we put our best foot forward, but the posture of power from a Christian is when we say, God, I am so dependent on you. I am completely in need of you there's nothing that I can do on my own in and of my own strength I am unable to do the thing that you've called me to do but father if you would be for me who could be against me but God if you would come into my life and God if you would just fill my day and God if your spirit would go with me God there's nothing nothing that could stop me and so I I, I believe that we learn from the starting blocks that we have to get low but how many know that we get low to get more power? We get more power. So, so we get low. But, but in, addition to, in addition to getting low and in addition to preloading our muscles for the race ahead, the other things that the starting blocks do is the starting blocks prevent the runners from tripping, from slipping. You see, before starting blocks... Before the advent of the starting blocks, they would, the, the runners would be out there on the track and field and they'd literally be kicking a hole. They'd be kicking a hole in the track and they, they, they would do that. It's, it's funny when you see them do it, it's almost like a, a bull coming out the gate, right? And some of them sprinters are built like bulls, aren't they? I mean, they are muscular, and they are just chiseled. And, and they do that because when that gun goes off, the last thing they want to do is slip out the gates. The last thing they want to do is slip off the blocks. So, so before they invented starting blocks, they would actually dig holes, and then there'd be a team of people that would come and fill the holes. Because as you can imagine, if there's holes all over the track, uh, someone could trip and hurt themselves. And so the starting blocks... It prevented the runner from slipping. I want you to write this down. Don't slip on sin. Don't slip on sin. And I want you to go back to this passage of scripture where the writer said this. Let us slip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. You see, sin causes us to fall and eventually give up. 
And, and, and so if, if, if you try to run without getting into the starting blocks, if you're trying to run without getting into this posture, you're going to find yourself slipping on sin. I'm going to say that again. If you don't learn to get into this posture regularly, you're going to find yourself slipping on sin. And, and, and so not only is this a place where I connect with my father, not only is this a place for power, but this is a place that keeps me humble. This is a place where I realize, God, I need you more than I've ever needed you before. This is a place where it keeps me from doing the things that I know that I shouldn't do. Too many people don't spend enough time here, and they can't fight off temptation because they've not spent enough time here. They've not spent enough time on the blocks. They've not spent enough time with the Father. You see, when you get around God enough, the things that once used to tempt you aren't going to tempt you anymore. I used to work at a bank. It was uh, my first job out of high school. I was always good at math, and so I figured, let's go put this, this, this math to use. And so I worked at a credit union. It was the old Roar Federal Credit Union down there in Chula Vista. And, uh, and, and one of the things that I learned in banking was they didn't spend a lot of time putting counterfeit currency in front of you. And, and so even though fraud and, and counterfeit money is an issue, they, they just figured if we'd get the real thing around you enough that the fake thing would pop. But they didn't give you a, a session on this is fake and this is fake and this is fake and this is fake. All they did was put you around the real thing. And when they put you around the real thing, the fake thing would immediately reveal itself. So you're like, oh, that's not real. Why? Because I've been with the real thing. And I think that's the way sin is. When you spend enough time with God and you get around the real thing, if you get around the one that can truly fulfill your soul and you get around the one that can really satiate every one of the needs and desires of your life, if you get around the one thing that could really fill the deepest void in your life, then all the other things that try to come and offer a temporary satisfaction you're going to realize that's a counterfeit I, I don't need to drink so much that I black out because that's a counterfeit I don't need to get high on drugs because that's a counterfeit I don't need to look for a relationship outside of my marriage because that's a counterfeit when you spend time here right here in this place of prayer right here on the blocks you need to spend more time here so when the enemy comes and presents the counterfeit you can call it out and say that ain't the real thing that's the thing that might feel good for the moment but it's always going to leave me thirsting for more that's the thing that might feel good for a few seconds but i'm going to walk away from there still longing for more but jesus said that he's the type of water that if you drink of his water you're never going to thirst again what he was saying is everything in this world might feel good for a moment but the the only thing that's going to really satisfy the longing of your heart and the longing of your soul and the longing of your spirit, only Jesus can give it. How many of you found this Jesus for yourself? How many of you, how many have drank from his well for yourself? Because he is the real thing, we don't have to go anywhere else. And so, and, and, and so the, the, the goal is not to walk around trying not to sin. I'm trying not to sin today, Pastor Josh. I'm going to be good today. I'm going to do my best. No, I'm not going to sin there, and I'm not going to sin there. Listen, you don't need to walk around your day trying to avoid sin. Just spend enough time with Jesus, and sin ain't going to find you. Just spend enough time in his presence, and you ain't going to have to worry about tripping up to sin. And it starts here. It starts on the blocks. It starts on the blocks. And the writer went on to tell us that in order to defeat sin, we need to strip 
off the weight of sin. So let's get that weight of sin off of us. But then he also says in the next, in the next few verses, he says, and we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our, who perfects our faith. Last thing that I want you to write down, never take your eyes off of Jesus. Come on, look at your neighbor, and I want you to declare that to them. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus. You see, when our eyes are focused on Jesus, we are able to do things that we thought we would never be able to do. When our eyes are focused on him, we are able to do things that we didn't even think we were capable of doing. When our eyes are focused on Jesus, we could do the impossible. I'm reminded of the passage of Scripture when Jesus' follower, Peter, one of his disciples, Peter, was on a boat with the rest of the disciples. And Jesus didn't go on that boat that day. And Jesus said, I want you to get on this boat and go to the other side of the sea, and I'm going to meet you guys there. And in and, and, and the middle of the night, the Bible says that the, the boat was rocking and the waves were beating against the boat. And they all thought that that boat was going to capsize and that they sure would have died and out of nowhere Jesus comes walking across the water and Peter responds by saying let me go with you and Jesus beckoned him he said Peter come on out here and when Peter began to step outside the boat he began to walk on water and the Bible says as long as he had his eyes focused on Jesus he was able to walk on water but then the Bible says the minute he took his eyes off of Jesus and started looking at the waves that were surrounding him he fell down in the water and we learned the powerful principle that if we keep our eyes on Jesus we can make it through the storms of life if we keep our eyes on Jesus we can make it through the trials of life if we keep our eyes focused on Jesus no amount of hell no amount of difficulty no amount of brokenness no amount of hurt no amount of hardships can stop you but you have to have your eyes focused on him too many people start their journey looking at Jesus but they take their eyes off of him and I really believe that when we focus on him when we focus on Jesus and say Jesus I'm gonna fix my attention on you Jesus I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put all of my energy and in, in, in focus on you there's really no limit to what God can do through you but the challenge is that we get so easily distracted the challenge is there are things competing for your attention. There are things that are, that are they're trying to manipulate your attention. I, I, I just finished reading this book, and it, it was one of those books where, to borrow a word from this generation, man, it woke me up, okay? It was like, oh, I need to stay woke now <laughs> because it, it, it really got me to see that all of these companies, all of these multimillion-dollar companies, they don't want your dollars as much as they want your attention, they want your attention. If they can get your attention, your money will follow. And so there is, there is a lot of money spent on your attention. A lot of people, I was reading, I told my wife yesterday, the, the things we talk about, right? Um, I told my wife, I'm like, did you know that girl Kylie Jenner was a billionaire? I know, real, real religious talk. This is what pastors talk about at Vons, okay? She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, she's a billionaire. I said, babe, not not millionaire. Now, we know that family already got a lot of money, but she's a billionaire. That's like a, that's a whole different thing. I don't know if you know that, right? Like, like you, you can be living next door to a millionaire and might not even know it. I mean, there are people that you, you can be smart with your money and get there, but to get the billions, 
My goodness, to get to billions, that just don't happen by that just don't happen by saving, okay? A compound interest ain't getting you to billions, okay? You got to do something special. And, um, and, and, and so I read this article as I was waiting to, to, to pay for my groceries. I, was, I, was, I read this article, and I was reading something. I think it was on the Wall Street Journal. And it was talking about the young billionaires. And, and, and it talked about how they're making their money now off of your attention. They're becoming billionaires off of your attention because they're, they're saying they're, they're gaining their influence through social media, which means the more you watch, the more you click, the more you like, they're targeting spending based on that. So the people that are making a lot of money are the ones that are really good at getting your attention. And, and, and so that the, the, the biggest challenge that we're going to be fighting the next few years to come, parents, take notes. This is for your little ones, okay? I got a nine-year-old, and, and this is something that we're walking through. It's attention. And I, and I, think, I think that the enemy, knowing this, the enemy knowing this, he ain't going to come at you looking like, you know, with horns and a pitchfork and a tail and all of that. All he's going to do is get your attention. Because if he can get your attention, he can get your eyes off of Jesus. And so, so, and so I believe that the, the warfare that we're going to be battling with in the years to come is going to be the warfare for your attention. Where is your attention going? Is your attention on him? Is your focus on him? Because more and more with with the, the with the way technology is moving, I mean, it used to be a joke, but it's like scary true now. We got very short attention spans now. We do. We are so sensationalized. My wife and I, we say this thing at home. We say, "Man, that, that person got the attention of a pe- the attention span of a peanut." Man, is this? It's about as long as it is, right? <laughs> yeah, that's just real talk, right there. Okay, and we're like, "Man, they got the attention span of a peanut." Man, they just cannot pay attention. But, but, but a lot of this is happening because the enemy is just trying to rob your attention now. He just wants to get your attention. This is why you have to have your eyes focused on Jesus. This is why you have to start the year here, right here. Right in this place of power, right on the blocks. This is my prayer for us in 2020, because we—I think we've done a great thing at this church together. And I'm coming to a close now. We've done a great job getting this church. This has exceeded every single one of my expectations. If you would have told us last July, baby, that we'd be here, I'd be thinking, no way we'd get here in the amount of time that it took us to get here. Now, listen, we haven't arrived yet. We got a long ways to go, Lighthouse, but I can tell you that I'm grateful for where you're at. How many are grateful for where we're at together as a church? I know I'm grateful. But I believe the thing that's going to take us over the hump, I believe the thing that's gonna, that, that we really need to do in, in 2020 is spend more time right here. I think we need to spend a little bit more time here. I think we've, we've, we've dialed in a lot of things as a church. We've, we've figured out how to do kids' men. We've figured out how to do good worship. We've figured out how to do a lot of things. Right, right here is where I think our, our, our next place is for this church. It's, it's, it's in the blocks. It's, it's getting ready for what God has for us. It's this, this place of power. It's this posture of decrease. It's this place of surrender. I, I really believe this is where God has us. This is the place that he's calling us to. I was reading um, last night. I was just going over my notes, and the Lord put me over and Psalm 121, and I told him, I'm done with my notes. Jesus, stop talking. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but, but as I was reading my notes, he took me here, Psalm 121. I don't have it for you all because, again, I was done with my notes, and God kept talking. So I'll just read it to you. Psalm 121, it says, I look up to the mountains. From, from where does my help come from? 
My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Now watch this. I look up. See, we got to look up to him. We have got to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. So I looked up from where my help come from. And listen to what it says. Talking about him now. He will not let you stumble and fall. The one who watches over you will not sleep. Man, that's so good. How many, how many parents remember when your baby was a newborn? No, let's, no, let's break it down to the first kid. How remember the first kid, right? And how many of you remember watching them sleep? <laughs> kind of weird, right? But you're like, I hope he doesn't stop breathing. <laughs> right? And you know that's ridiculous, right? You, you know, like, they're not going to stop breathing. Come on now. And you're just like hovering. You're just like, just watching the baby. I mean, I'm on my third kid. I'm praying to God he goes to bed on his own. I'm like, I don't want to see that kid, you know. But the first kid, I'm like looking over it. And, and, and the scripture says that the one who does not sleep watches over us. That's what God does with us, y'all. And, and it doesn't stop. He's just watching over us. He's, he's, he's there. He's present. And saying, so when you look at me, when I looked, the rest says, I looked up to the hills. Where did my help come from? My help came from the Lord. And because my help came from the Lord, he did not let me stumble and fall. We've got to keep our focus on him. We've got to have our attention on him. Don't allow yourself to get distracted. The enemy is going to do his best to distract you. But don't allow him to get your attention. I'm going to wrap it up with this. Hebrews chapter 12, it, it, that pastor scripture that I read to you, this last portion, it says this, we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. You know, another event, another event in the uh, track and field that's really popular is the relay. How many enjoy watching the relay race where they just pass on the baton, right? It's the four by 100. That's, that's a popular one. That's just you know, I, I don't know if you know much about that. And, 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 and you know, when I was training for, um, for, for my races, anytime you did speed work, you did speed work on a track, right? So we would sometimes go out for long runs. We'd go find a nice running trail to run on, kind of like a cross-country runner. But then we also had to train to go fast, so we do it on a track. And the track has these little marks letting you know 100 meters, 200, 300, 400. One lap is 400 meters. So the 4 by 100 meter relay is just four people dividing up that one lap. And each time, what the most critical thing is the passing of the baton. And, 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 and how many of you have seen it when they've dropped the baton? It's, it's terrible, right? You're like, ah! Because the Olympics only comes around once every four years. And you're talking about, they gotta wait another four years to do it again. Can you imagine? Four years to get this right. And if you drop it, <laughs> that's it another four years they 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 train so hard and now that they have development olympic development some of these kids are spotted when they're like 14 years old maybe even younger and they're like oh we see the natural gift we're going to develop that gift and in the year 2024 he's going to run the relay but they will have eyes on them that young i don't know if you know that i don't know if you know that there was a kid who was 14 years old, and, and he, he was chipping away at the four-minute mile, and eventually his senior year of high school, he, he broke the four-minute mile barrier, which is running a mile in under four minutes. Some of y'all can't run a mile in like 40 minutes. Could you imagine <laughs> like, like four minutes? 
You know what I'm saying? That's like insane. And, uh, and I remember he broke it. And what did they do? It was like they backed up the Brinks truck. And they were like, you're sponsored. You're endorsed. Why? Because they're trying to get him to that place of the Olympics. But, but I think about the baton, passing the baton. And, and when I read that passage of Scripture, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. You know what I think of? I think of all the generations of the church that have gone before us that are now watching us, Lighthouse Church. They're watching you. And, and the baton, we're off the blocks now. The baton's come to us. We've caught the baton. Now it's up to us to run this race. How are we going to run this race? How are we going to do this as a church? And what, what type of church do you want to be? Because here's, here's the truth. You guys aren't going to respond to the type of church that I want you to be. You're going to respond to the type of church that you want to be. So what I want for you is never going to be more important than what you want for yourself. So what type of church do you want to be? Do you want to be a praying church? Then let's get into some prayer. You want to be a generous church? Start being a generous person. You want to be all about outreach and evangelism? Let's go. Come on, let's go. 2020, let's get out there. Let's, get, let's bump up evangelism. Let's, let's bump up outreach. What type of church do you want to be? Because the baton's in your hands now. What type of race are you going to run? How do you want to run your race? Because listen, we are off the blocks now. We are off the blocks. Last scripture, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets a prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training, and they do it to win a prize that will fade away. But listen, this is our race here. This is our race here. But we do it for an eternal prize. Come on, let's give God some praise for that. For those of you that have completed growth track, you know I talk about this. Every step three, we talk about this. And for those of you that have not started growth track yet, I see you next Sunday right after church, okay? Step one of growth track where we're going to help you discover the purpose that God has for you. But I always teach this. I said there's a lot of things you can give your life to, and there's a lot of things that you can give yourself to. Good things. It's good to coach sports. It's good to clean up beaches. It's good to build homes with habitat for the humanity. It's good to do all of that. Listen, it's good to get your body in shape. It's good to make a difference on this world. But listen, not everything that is a good thing has an eternal impact. Don't neglect the things that have an eternal impact. You feeling me? I'm not saying don't neglect this. Do that too. But what separates us as Christians is we're not, they're just good people. No, 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 we're not just good people. We're God people, okay? And so let's not neglect the God things. Let's do the things that have an eternal impact because Paul says, listen, these people race so hard to win a prize that fades away, but we run to win a prize that will never fade away. So how are you going to run knowing that? How will you run knowing that your reward is something that is eternal? Let me pray over you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.